Philosophy Friday. Woo! talking about we're talking about um apologetics i know that much yep so we're still in apologetics and um we've sort of put the whole science thing to bed all the problems are solved all Uh the questions are answered oh by the way and um got got some feedback about that everyone uh they loved it when we were slamming on that evolution (laughs) good loved it so there we go um yeah all right so we've we've yeah we've totally solved those problems yeah, all done. No one should ever have a problem with that again. Never again. Okay. So uh, now we're going to now what we're going to do is we're going to kill every other religion, sect, philosophy, and worldview in one go. So that's our next. That's our next easy target. It's a big move. <laughs> what I was going to do in my uh, apologetic series, I wanted to do sort of tackle some of the main religions of the world. So Islam, Hinduism, Judaism, uh, maybe look at some of the major sects and mm-hmm. cults. So looking at Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses. Um, <clears throat> but I thought, nah, I don't want to just go, you know, I don't want to popularize or, pub, uh, you know, do their advertising so, for them. Yeah, for sure. So instead, what I wanted to do was to look at how the gospel is subverts every other worldview. Right. And uh, I've been listening to Tim Keller and Edmund Clowney, uh, their, their iTunes U, which is actually quite hard to track down if you try and look for it. Right, you it's told called, me about uh, that the other day and I couldn't even find it. Yeah, Exactly. I've, 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 I've tried to promote it to – I had to search for it a hundred different ways before I found it. So you found the back door. Yeah, I can't even remember how I found it though, but uh, right. I got one. I got okay. it. Right, so well, it's preaching so Christ, that. preaching Christ to a postmodern world. Ah, that's so that's it, yeah. that's one of the official titles. Right. But apparently it's under another title as well. So that's that's what what may be throwing the search out. Right. Okay. So um, basically, well, what what what's in this particular uh, set of lectures is just a look at how, in a postmodern context and in a winsome way, we use the gospel to subvert worldviews, any other worldview, and uh, you know bring it back to the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's what I thought we would look at. That's brilliant, and that's helpful too. Yeah, I like that approach better. Yeah, um, but sure. people need to check out that lecture series. I want to check it out as soon as I got some time. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw it on the show notes. I never do that. But just, just go Google it. Let us know if you can't find it. Uh, yeah. Just email and we'll we'll find it for you and be your babysitter and show you how mm. to work Google. <laughs> so. Um, uh, I think a starting point would be uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 to 25. So what we're looking at here with Paul is Paul, you know, he said things like this, you know, I, I know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. Right. And the wrong impression that you can get from a statement like that is that Paul was sort of a one-hit wonder. He was a mm-hmm. cookie cutter who went into any other culture and he just had one message and he just yes. sort of beat it like a drum. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the typical... Um, bad Western missionary that goes into the other parts of the world and just runs roughshod over everyone. Right. So that, that it may sound like Paul has that sort of approach, mm-hmm. but what was pointed out to me, and I find it very compelling, is in fact how Paul uses the cross to subvert the cultures. So let me read the verses and then um, just show you what I think he's talking about here. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, the, the, the modern or the, the, the sort of contemporary way to do it is or what people use that verse for is to 
talk about a redemptive historical approach in preaching and then you end up having the same sermon over and over again in a different, <laughs> in a different way you know slightly yeah. better but still not quite right yeah for sure yeah. so uh, let me read it quick and then um we'll sort of hit on the high notes all right so paul says for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing but mm-hmm. to us who are being saved it is the power of god for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Mm. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Greeks. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Oh, man. You know what? You know what? Sorry, let me just jump in there. Uh, I just finished, well, not finished. I'm about halfway through this course on Augustine's uh, uh, City of God, right? Yeah. And you know how he was just this total Jedi, you know, firstly a Manichaean, then a then a Platonist, and... Um, and on he goes, but he had mastered, he had mastered philosophy, right? Which is one of the yeah. things that made him so brilliant. But I just love one of the things he says, uh, that that a Christian in his uh, first day of catechism, and he was using this kind of concept that you've just read there, <laughs> has transcended even the wisest philosopher. Mm. And, and the reason, but he didn't just say that glibly, he gave this whole big thing, like you have... Um, you know, their whole idea of they'd masterfully through an intellectual endeavor worked out that there was a God who was transcendent, right? Or there was at least some higher realm of the forms and and uh, this God who had emanated these realms and whatnot. And, and mm. he's saying, yeah, that's great. As far as it goes, well done. Excellent, excellent job. But he, they had not pieced together that this God would want anything to do with matter, right? And so, yeah. and, and it just just by virtue of the incarnation and one's ascent to the idea of a God who loves, um, you know, he just, he just immediately brought the first day of Christianity uh, to supersede even these, uh, these, these really hectic thinkers. It was just so powerful the way he did it. So um, yeah, I mean, it's I could, not exactly where you're going, but it's kind of the, the you know, it's just that profound, uh, even the, 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 the foolishness of God, again, just what we were reading there. Mm, um, amen. It's just, you know, it just leaves the world dumbfounded at that level. Yeah. So, I mean, just a phrase to zero in on, you know, Paul says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. That's he's quoting the Lord. Mm. How does God destroy the wisdom of the wise? And mm. I think we have a clue in the context. And the clue is this. Paul seems to identify those cultural values or in certain instances, cultural idols that the cross subverts. Yes. So the Jews, what are they seeking? Science. Um, yeah, totally. And the Greeks are seeking wisdom. So here's uh-huh. here's Paul. He's analyzing the culture. So he's not an insensitive critic, uh, critic of culture. He doesn't just come in and run roughshod without considering the audience that he's preaching to. Mm-hmm. He exegetes his audience. And he understands the cultural narrative of the people that he's preaching to. So the Jews wanted miraculous signs. What is that in reference to? Well, it's probably the signs because they were asking Jesus, are you the Messiah? Show us a sign. The signs they were looking for, they wanted to see Roman blood flowing in the street with a a militant uh, overthrow of the oppressive power of Rome. Mm. They 
they didn't see their sins and their need for a savior to die on the cross for their forgiveness. Instead, they saw themselves as socially oppressed and thought that they needed a social savior, mm-hmm. a social gospel more than a, 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 a salvation from sin. Right. And so their, presu- their presuppositions about what they thought they needed and their assumptions about themselves blinded them to the gospel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the same things with the Greeks, you know, they thought yeah. they were wise. They yeah. thought they had wisdom, mm-hmm. but in fact, um, you know the true wisdom is uh, comes from God. Mm-hmm. So here's the uh, the method that's proposed in this um, preaching Christ in po- in a postmodern world mm-hmm. as a Pauline method for engaging with culture. And one of the things that it's really stressing is it's it's, it's a winsome approach. And because right. we live in a post post Christian context where we're no longer in the majority, and um, we we almost have to win a hearing. It's that that winsomeness is very important. Yeah. Great. So the first thing we do is, uh, as, as Paul has done, you identify those values that the culture esteems. Mm-hmm. Okay? And in most instances, these will be good, God-given things, but that have been made into ultimate things. So, for example, uh, wisdom. Can we agree that wisdom is a good human aspiration? Yeah. Is it good to be set free and liberated and seek uh, signs of power from God to be liberated from Roman oppression? Yeah. Yes. And so Paul, it seems, steps into um, the the worldview, the human aspirations, and 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 here's the the common grace element. In the image of God, we're not utterly depraved; we are only totally depraved, which means we're touched in every part, but not to the worst degree. Mm-hmm. And so there's all sorts of good things that we want. We want freedom. We want liberty. We want wisdom. We want things that are good and right, but we think we know how to get those things. Mm-hmm. But Paul's going to come along and he's going to say, the thing that you want is good, but you can only find it in Christ. And this right. is how the gospel subverts every other worldview. Right. So that's step one. Identify yeah. those cultures and, value, uh, and value, uh, identify those values that culture esteems. And point two, the Christian showing knowledge of the unbeliever's worldview, in other words, stepping into their shoes, showing a sympathetic appreciation for the good that is within their system. Because I think this is what often happens with Christians is when they engage with a worldview of unbelief, they automatically brush, tar the whole thing over as evil, wrong, and there's no good in it. Right. And what that does is that shuts down the conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's the loss of winsomeness right there. Right. Okay. So the Jews wanted power in order to be liberated, but they will never find their liberation by wooing God with their own righteousness or putting their hope in a warrior king who will satisfy their racist hopes to wipe out their oppressors. Mm-hmm. Paul's critique of Judaism shows how it can never reach the liberation that it's striving for, Mm -hmm. that the works that they're trusting in can only end in just judgment and frustration. And so it's like saying this, you want the right thing, but you're going about it in the wrong way. Yep, totally. So this is how the gospel comes in and critiques the um, other cultures. Thirdly, you then show how it is only in Christ that these good aspirations can only ever be satisfied. So here's something that I found uh, as a reflection on one of the uh, on the lectures. It's a quote. It says this: "The irony in the situation of both the Jews, uh, the Greeks, and the Jews in Paul's analysis is that the very thing they seek is to be found only in the very one they despise. Hmm. The Jews see in Christ the stumbling block, a weak and politically manipulable rabbi, unable to save himself from an ignominious and accursed death." And the Greeks see in Christ a rather backward-thinking yokel. What do you expect from the University of Nazareth, Mm. whose followers blather on crudely about the resurrection of the body? 
And yet it is in union with this renegade rabbi that we can encounter the universe sculpting and sin erasing power of Almighty God is nowhere else. Mm -hmm. And it is in the vulgarity of the cross, how backward, blood-soaked and barbarous, that we see the wisdom of God's ultimate plan to be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There is no power to rival this, and there is no wisdom to rival God's wisdom as it is revealed in Jesus. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Hmm. So you see how it's it's only, so what, what, what we want to do is we want to step inside the worldview, and we want to show them how you look, you, you're looking for something good. You cannot find it in your own system, but this is how Christ gives you what you're actually looking for. Yeah. And then fourthly, we present Christ not as a rival to these cultural values, but as their true fulfillment. Hmm. And so this is how you undo the wisdom of the wise. And this right. can be very, I mean, this is clearly seen in the case of the Jews and the Greeks and the Romans. Mm -hmm. The Jews seek, seek righteousness in order to earn God's favor, in order that they would be delivered by his works of power. They, can't ha they don't have that righteousness. They'll never receive that liberation mm. by those means. But in Christ, we get given an alien righteousness and boom, yeah. <laughs> deliverance. Totally. And then we, and we can say the same things for the Greek. They, they seek truth, but they cannot find it because they're sinners, ignorant, finite. Mm. God has to speak. God has to reveal. God has to come down and show us the way, and he does. Mm. And now all the, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. Mm. Mm. You know, th and the, the Romans, mm. what did they want? What was the, what was the good human aspiration that they, they wanted to attain to? Oh, it was a kind of utilitarian glory, I suppose. Or yeah, it was. Uh, it would have been a good governance, a united yeah. humanity under under good, strong laws, peace under law. Mm. Um, you know, trying to bring in a, a, hum a utopia mm. on earth. But the history of the Caesars is a long history of how man cannot be man's savior. Mm -hmm. So God becomes a man. He dies. He pays for our crimes. He brings us into a single family. Unites the human race. Puts them under the best laws and secures for them a perfect world in the future. Mm. And so everything they were seeking for, yeah. they cannot find by their own way. It's only in Christ. Mm. And so this is how God undoes the wisdom of the wise. This is how he undoes the discernment of the discerning. Mm. You know, it's so that no flesh boasts in his presence. He subverts, he destabilizes, and then restabilizes every worldview this way. Mm. And so this is how the gospel co comes in and confronts. So, I mean, th those are examples from ancient worldviews. You can mm -hmm. think about the Jews, the Greeks, the Romans, but we can bring this, this methodology um, to bear upon modern worldviews as well. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's take a few modern examples. Buddhism. Mm -hmm. What's the key word in Buddhism? What is Buddhism seeking above all, everything else? Um, I would say uh, some sort of ameliorative effect or just sort of... Uh, numbing the pain you know getting away from numbing pain, pain. Nirvana, exactly. yeah the eightfold path of peace, peace right yeah transcendence kind of, yeah. all of existence is all about pain and suffering yeah. and Nirvana is all about being freed from that pain and mm -hmm. so through an end of uh, endless cycle of reincarnations we'll finally attain to non-existence where all pain will come to an end mm. and find peace in non-feeling mm. now let's stop and let's be sympathetic critics and not just flat uh, accusing everyone of being utterly depraved critics what's the good in this worldview well i don't care about the good because they can read my eternal burn sandwich board that I'm wearing. <laughs> <laughs> well i think what we can say is this as christians we recognize that a life full of pain and frustration is not good yeah 
it's right that the human yeah. heart rage yeah. Yeah. against the night. <laughs> totally. Sadly, this is over, uh, you know, but what they do is they, they try and find a way through their own efforts, through this false theory of reincarnation, through yeah. this impersonal notion of God and nirvana, to try and find this experience of peace. Right. And but this is not this is not how it's found. Kind of sweep evil under the rug to get it done as well, you know. Yeah, exactly. and, and there's, there's all sorts of criticisms that we can level at this point, isn't there? Mm. All sorts of inconsistencies within their own system. But uh, at this point, we're just trying to uh, show how the 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 methodology applies. So we would step in then with the scriptures and say, well, look, the Bible tells us that pain is bad. We agree with you. Mm -hmm. But this is as a result of the fall, so a different historical narrative. Right. And we experience pain because of God's judgment upon sin. This is not just a, a faceless universe that's causing us to feel bad. There's a, a relational aspect, a covenantal aspect, which, you know, a judicial aspect which has to be satisfied and, and taken into account. Mm. So what the Bible does, it, it, it can make things worse before it makes things better. We're not only experiencing pain, but we will also experience eternal judgment because of sin. Yeah. And then, of course, God is personal. He is love. He seeks to save sinners at, the, at cost to himself. And instead of having ourselves swallowed up into the great nothingness, you know, the, the peace that we will experience is in being what we are made for, and that's in a relationship with God and being brought back to our, our relationship in holiness with him in a, in a perfect world free from pain. Yeah, totally. And so this is, this is how the gospel destabilizes and then restabilizes every other worldview mm. yeah i like it too because it, it you know it doesn't have to play a game i mean we acknowledge the presuppositional thing that way uh you yep. know it, it's, and not, it is, it's, it's definitely a presuppositional approach totally and and it's like you you really are getting to the most winsome part of presuppositionalism in that you're saying which 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 preeminent idea it, it gives the best narrative, you know, yep. which uh, which presupposition explains what we're uh, experiencing and provides the best solution, you know. And in that sense, it, it really does engage. Yeah. So let's take let's take a non-religious one. Yeah. Hedonistic drug addiction. Ooh. So I'm uh, here. I am talking to myself. Mm -hmm. Here's a point of view, which could be very nuanced. But let's just say someone who's just pro drugs, pro hedonism, pro experience, pro pleasure on principle. Right. Here's a worldview that's fixated on things like personal freedom, personal pleasure, personal happiness. Yeah, existentialism. Good, yeah, ex yeah, yeah. What's the good thing being done or thought about in a wrong way in this worldview? Well, um, you know, going for well, it's like Piper says. Let's take a little. Christian hedonism and throw it in the mix, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's it's that's not bad. It's just that we're never going to get it. And yeah. Um, yeah, did God make life to be enjoyed? Yep. Amen. He, he we're not Gnostics. We don't despise the human body. We acknowledge bodily pleasures. God made the orgasm, and these things have been given as gifts, not gods to be served, but gifts to be enjoyed to the glory of God, but in the God-given way. And then uh, you know we'd step inside the system. Mm -hmm. So we've identified the human aspiration, which is good. We've identified with it, but from the Christian per perspective, mm -hmm. so we're not endorsing their wrong worldview. We're saying you're seeing something right, but this is, you know, uh, you know that unknown God that you think you're worshiping. Let me <laughs> yeah. tell you about that unknown God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we would then go on to point out how the inconsistencies in their worldview that overindulging in drugs, surrendering our minds and will to addiction, doing damage to our bodies, relationships, vocations. It's not freedom, it's not happiness, it's enslavement, self-abuse, etc. Mm. And so true happiness and freedom is not found in a godless universe where we are God. And the truth is we can't bear that burden. 
We live in a universe that God has made, which includes us and his purpose for our existence. So true happiness can only be found in God and doing what we're made for. Mm-hmm. Sadly, so, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking, all right, now what I like about it is that um, it engages well. And uh, as you say, it doesn't shut down the conversation. Um, yep. as, as I was saying to you the other day, though, it comes a little, it feels a lot like the hole in your heart argument, you know, the, the classic old you know, hey, Karis, we used to do this as Karis. Well, it, you know. it, it is taking a little bit of the whole and the hard argument in this sense. That, yes. that it's seeking to identify something that's true. Yeah. That comes out of the image of God, a human aspiration. Mm-hmm. Because every worldview, and this, this is, just, and here's the background view that I'm sort of endorsing here. Mm-hmm. Every single, every single wrong worldview that we've encountered, whether you want to look at Marxism, communism, whether you want to look at um, whatever it is, there's going to be something that's good in it mm-hmm. that, that, that arises that, that, that everyone can agree on. Mm-hmm. And so what we're wanting to do is we want to find that common ground with that worldview and use it as a lever against them. Yeah, totally. Francis Schaeffer style, baby. Francis Schaeffer style. Yeah. And so, yes, the whole in the heart thing is real in the sense that we're talking about things that have come from, that they have admitted they are seeking for. Yeah, totally. Um, now, so, yeah, the, the there thing is an is, aspect of that. Just um, to, to bring that uh, to bear, though, and maybe just to, to sort of fend off the critique, um, I know that let's take that hole in the heart thing used at that popular level. The big crit- criticism was, well, actually, you're never really getting to the point of conviction of sin. You're never getting to the point at which you're you're sort of repenting for for all these things that truly keep you from embracing the truth. And and uh, you know, where does that fit in? in well, all the it, 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 this, so this is the way I would go with it. Mm. So let's let's take the hedonist perspective. So we begin with the evil of their self abuse. Right. They're, f- they're looking for freedom, they're looking for happiness, and they're not getting it by their their, their he- hedonistic pursuit of, of pleasure. Mm-hmm. And then we would say, well, now we need to make things worse before they can get better. The gospel comes in and says, well, you're not only committing evil against yourself, you're committing a double evil against yourself, mm. in that you're breaking God's law and you're heaping up justice uh, against yourself uh, for the last day. Right. Because, you know, this, there's a bigger picture than you and your pleasure. There's actually a God who's made you for himself and you've broken his law. Right. And so we so move from... using the hook, I suppose, the uh, yes. ongoing engagement. So we're not to, leaving it out. We're just not leading with it. Right, right. And that's good. Because you're already, you've created a winsome, well, you've not created it, but you've, you've explained a winsome narrative yeah. that gives the idea of, of the remaining details of that narrative credibility. Exactly. So yeah. we're just drawing them into a longer conversation. Yeah. Uh, by finding the good in their argument and using it as a lever against them, but drawing them to the full biblical picture. Mm. So we're not leaving anything out. Mm. Everything will finally be included, but mm. we just don't start with yeah. repent or die totally up front. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. All right. That yeah. And so yeah, how do we, how do you come into true happiness? And then this is where the gospel comes in. This is right. where repentance comes in. And this is, you know, yeah. the Christian life also comes in. So sanctification not, wouldn't be left out. Uh, in a in a proper presentation of these things, right? Yeah. Totally. So, so another example: yeah. gender and identity politics. Okay. So, what is the good that this worldview is seeking? What what are, what are their good concerns that they're fighting for? Well, they're fighting against uh, you know the abuses that are inherent in the fall, so misogynism and and uh, and that sort yeah. of thing. Exactly. Um, and then, of course, you know uh, any 
any fake uh, sort of renditions of masculinity and femininity that have been thrown on yep. on each gender. It's uh, good. And, yeah. So lots, lots of things are being legitimately fought against there. Yeah. And, you know, it's what, what often happens is when Christians criticize people who are into gender and identity politics, Christians can speak in a way that it appears that they're not supporting some of those things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they write themselves out of the conversation by being against it in toto. Yes. And that's where the winsomeness is lost. Right. Totally. So, I, think, um, I think you meant to say in total. No, in toto, because oh. I know you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great band, but why are we talking about it now? Yeah, exactly. So, I hear the um, rains down in Africa. In <laughs> Squirrel. And <laughs> All right. So, so I mean, thanks for impressing us with your Latin terms. Very, very yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're concerned about the flourishing of the individual, they're concerned about doing away with oppression. They're concerned about being who you are. Uh-huh. And these are all, all things that we resonate with. Amen. These yeah. are excellent aspirations to have. Uh-huh. But let's step inside their system mm-hmm. and let's show them their inconsistencies and let's show them how they cannot get to what they want through the methods they've chosen. Yeah. So firstly, we would want to point out that a group so concerned about freedom has to take freedom away from other groups that disagree with their views. Yeah. And so... There's that self-refuting aspect. (laughs) Secondly, we would want to show how human flourishing can only be found in doing what we're made to do. Mm. And so if God has made us as male and female, he has, then freedom, it's not freedom, but lies and bondage that are being supported through through any other notion. Mm. Yeah. And then thirdly, we would affirm that the fact that each one of us each one of us does have an identity, but it's it's given, it's not self-made. Yeah. Brilliant. And so we're just challenging that reality that people are, in fact, God. Mm, exactly. Yeah. You know, and as, as important as will and desire may, may be, you cannot change reality. Yeah. You cannot, a handicapped person can't decide to be a person who walks. You can't yeah. change your biological facts by willing it. Mm-hmm. You know, a white person can't just decide to be a black person. And a male can't just decide to be a female. Yeah. These, are, these are the realities that God has given to us. We're creatures. We're created. And so, I mean, we're bringing the Christian worldview to bear, aren't we? Yeah. Sure. And so what we would do is we would say, look, God is meant to be male and female, but because of sin, we can experience estrangement in our world, in our families, and even to ourselves in our own bodies. Yeah. We have contrary desires that lie about what will make us happy, but God has given us his truth. He has told us what we are. He's told us what we're made for. And Jesus has come to make us truly human. Mm. Um, he's come to rescue us from identity quicksand and mm. you know he's come to make us in the image of god by conforming us to his perfect image mm-hmm. um, which is not dependent upon sex i mean he was a virgin mm-hmm. and so our identity is not primarily rooted in our sexuality mm-hmm. and uh you know we're saved into a life where we will continue to struggle but we can have victory through the holy spirit and one day you know and and, and we can just talk about how, how the gospel sets people free the truth sets us free um, it mm. removes the confusion. Uh, it affirms our, our given identity. It doesn't force a wrong identity upon people. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. Uh, and you know, I think maybe for people listening to this as well, I'm just thinking of uh, Francis Schaeffer's kind of speech. Um, two things there in that, you know, you are. 
I mean, at, at one level, you'll probably find as you get into this, and I really, I mean, the way you've set out that methodology is great because, you know, you can see beyond the individual situation, there's a consistent method that you're making use mm-hmm. of. And, you know, I, I suppose just running through that a few times makes the process less and less challenging personally as you talk to people. But, you know, you find, as, as Schaefer said, you know, the, world, the Christian worldview is so strong and powerful. Uh, you actually find yourself needing to be gentle with those that you talk to. You're not, you're not, um, you're not grasping for things. You know, you've got them. But really, it's a matter of of making mm. that gentle and and not pushing too hard. And, and gentleness, then, is, yeah, gentleness is very important because most people are inconsistent. Right. So you, exactly, and it's very easy to see that. And and you know, <clears throat> as someone leaning on their Christian worldview, you're not going to be inconsistent. You're going to have that sorted. So you know, you could come at that thing. You know. Yeah like bull raging yeah. great <laughs> and, patience and teaching and, and totally like the bonson stein <laughs> debate you know and you leave stein crying in the corner but <laughs> but did you win the debate is the question and and so um you know you have to be gentle to take francis schaefer's uh, approach but the other cool mm-hmm. thing about that is that um it takes the pressure off as well because the, i can almost feel someone thinking well that's great nick you know it sounds like you got it all sussed but you know i, I i'm just not they're familiar with whatever worldview this person might have. And, and you know what? You don't have to be. You can no. just ask questions. And as long as you've got the me- methodology sorted, you know where you're going or where you want to go ultimately. Take as yep. long as you want. Ask as many questions as you want. Say you don't know when you don't know. Um, meet for coffee the next week again. Uh, keep building up an understanding so that when you are able to engage in conversation, it's it's coming out of a genuine place of interest, and you've mm. built up an accumulative understanding of where they're where they're at. Uh, because yeah. the other thing is, people are often inconsistent, <coughs> but they're often jumbled in their worldviews as well. So yes, yeah. okay, this person may be Buddhist or says that, but in fact <laughs> they're not, you know. And you only figure that out like you know three days in or something. Um, exactly. And you know that's okay. That's just part of it, uh, part of the messiness. But the same method applies. And it's really just a matter of taking that pressure off of yourself and just letting the, the Christian worldview do its thing. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then maybe just one last example is mm. Islam. And what I've done here with Islam is because I didn't want to deal with every other sect and false religion. Mm. Take any other worldview that's borrowed from the Bible, whether it's Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Judaism, Islam, etc. Mm. And keep them all under this one umbrella here. Mm-hmm. What do they seek? What's the what's the good thing that they're tr- attempting to do? They're attempting to worship and glorify the Creator, mm. and do His will. <clears throat> and we're going unless they're, go- unless they're doing the forty virgin thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> we would have to step inside and critique all sorts of wrong aspects right. of their aspirations. Because what 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 do you represent of God's holiness if that's what you think heaven is all about? Yes. And yes. so what we would explain is that God, you know, false religion <clears throat> is man-made. But true religion is revealed by God, and God has spoken in His Word, and so that's what we have to make our authority in. That's what we have to take as our lead and our guide, and because we're engaging with people now who accept that there is a Bible, that God has given a Word, that there is an authority. So now we're using that explicitly, mm-hmm. um, and then we step into the traditional arena when we engage with other religions, talking about the definition of grace. Mm-hmm. How every every wrong religion is an attempt uh, to by our own righteousness, uh, lifting ourselves up by our own bootstraps mm-hmm. to earn ourselves a place with God. Right. Yeah. And we can we can give an account for this. We can mm-hmm. say that, you know, I like the way Michael Horton put it. He said, look, the reason why we find laws that are similar to Christianity in every other religion in the world 
It's because the covenant of works is written on every human heart. Yeah, boom. There we there's, go. there's that man-made instinct to crawl the way back to God by works. However, the gospel message is God has made a way by coming down to us in the person of Christ. None of our works are good enough. Our religion will not save us. God has to provide the works that will make us righteous, and he has done this in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so the gospel subverts our strength by making salvation a gift, not merited. And so... You know, that's where the Roman stuff, as it engages with a Pharisaic legalistic worldview, is we're basically just echoing it almost word for word at this point. So we, that's why we like that Mike Horton. That's yeah. good. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's the methodology. You know, find, the good, find the good human aspiration, show them how they can't get there on their own, step into that worldview, deconstruct it, show the irrationality versus the irrationality, and show how it's only in Christ. That that uh, you know he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't necessarily come in and undo or confront or t- overturn but fulfil those aspirations. Yeah, that's where the winsomeness comes in. Subvert was the word you used at, yeah. used at the beginning. How the gospel subverts every worldview is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. So he it destabilizes and restabilizes. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Cool. Well, there we go. There's some mellow Friday thinking for you. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully you get to have a good gospel conversation tomorrow, Saturday, mm-hmm. um, hanging out with people. But um, all the same, hopefully that's something for you to process. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.